Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. We would be honoured if you would join us. Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. And welcome to Spark of Rebellion, your new weekly Star Wars podcast show. Coming to you from a galaxy far, far away, bringing you everything to do with Star Wars uh, reviews, news, uh, it's random spotlights, all that stuff. Uh, my name's Gary, and my co-pilot on this adventure is the one and only Mr. Mark Asquith. How are you doing, sir? Hello there. I'm good, buddy. How are you doing? Welcome to, welcome to you, to this first episode. This is... A blast from the past, recording together again, brother. We're back in the hot seat. It feels awesome, my man. Absolutely yeah, love good. it. Uh, it's, uh, it's good to just chat kind of geeky stuff every now and again, isn't it? You know, I mean, we don't get a chance to do that in our daily lives unless we're drunk around a table. <laughs> That's not a bad thing, but I know what you mean. It's uh, uh, You and I started off podcasting many moons ago. We had our little uh, bit of the DC universe, didn't we? A little slice of... Uh, of that we did we did and a big welcome to everyone rejoining us i've had a few people on instagram in particular chucka pete at chucka pete welcome brother uh <laughs> coming back to us from our dc comics days and uh, you guys can expect all sorts of goodness like gas said you can expect all sorts of star wars gossip news reviews ideas and general geek out coming into your ears every single saturday and one thing that i wanted to mention is you and I have both been to America, haven't we, mate? And uh, do you not think every time you go to America, because we're English, people automatically assume that you sound a little bit like Obi-Wan Kenobi and you become <laughs> more Obi-Wan. You walk into a bar and, you know, someone says, can I get you a drink, sir? And you just start up with, hello there. <laughs> is that just me? It's not you at all, mate. It's uh, Unfortunately, you can't follow it up with the mind trick to get the free beer or anything like that you, you you have to stop at hello there and they either look at you with like some some nerd points like oh, okay yeah i can see what you're doing there the obi-wan thing or they look at you like you've gone absolutely crazy yeah yeah normally the latter for me mate honestly i'll not lie to you people i think it's the beard people think i'm just like that that i pose a threat and that's not true because <laughs> everyone knows that people with beards are very very kind people so what do we got coming up on this first episode then my man we've got some particular segments that we like to run through with people. So what what we got coming up on this first episode, bro? Right. So uh, coming up in episode one, we have um, our uh, our top three segments. So what we're going to be doing um, after our post-launch, after May the 4th, is we're going to be running through the news roundup for Star Wars. So we're going to hunt down the most worthy bits of news to talk through. Until then, uh, we're going to be talking through our own personal uh, loves of Star Wars in like these top three and top five lists. And in this week, uh, up, up in this week, we have the top three characters that we love from the Star Wars universe. Uh, after that, we're going to nip over to our uh, random spotlight uh, where we're going to talk about um, some characters that you love that you've picked out recently. 
Yes, I'm looking forward to that one. And then we've got a bit of, re- of a review and discussion section, haven't we? Which is kind of linked in to the random spotlight as well, something that I've read very recently. So I'm looking forward to that. So why don't we dig in with our top three characters? Guys, I'm going to let you jump in first, dude. Who's, who's your number one character? Number one as in the top favourite. Oh, we're going to do it in favourite order. Uh, I was going to say, so number three then for me. Yeah, go on then, let's go from the bottom up. Go on, hit me. Yeah, so number three for me is the scruffy nerf herder, Captain Han Solo. It's got to be Han Solo for me. I I don't think that's that's unexpected knowing you, dude. I think that's (laughs) a damn good choice. Why? Tell me why. What what, what is it about Han that, that, that endears you so much to him? So why Han Solo? So overall... Uh, he's just one of those, and, and before we get cracking a long hour series of shows and adventures and stuff into Star Wars, it should probably, it would become very obvious as we go through that I'm an original trilogy guy. Now, that's not to say that I hate and beat up on the prequels at all, or the sequel trilogy, or anything like that. It's just what, you know, I grew up with, and these characters are kind of special to me, because I grew up wanting to be Han Solo and... Maybe one Kenobi and all those guys. So to kick things off, yeah, it's an original trilogy thing. It's it, He's just one of those characters throughout those first three films that just provide everything you need to get the story cracking along. So he's the guy that pops up to give you a bit of comic relief. He's the guy that pops in to give you the romantic side of things. He's also the guy that saves the day. He's the guy with the cool quips and the one-liners, the amazing ship, the cool co-pilot. You know, it's just a, a very long list of cool stuff that he has or that he does, um, which also leads into um, The Force Awakens. He's also a very cool character in that film and one of the best and saddest death scenes in the entire saga, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, just gets to fly the Millennium Falcon. I mean, there, are, there aren't many cooler things than being Han Solo, let's be honest. He's just one of the cool, I think cool, it's just the word that just describes everything about him. He's just so cool. And he pulls off a leather jacket well. Oh, he yes. pull off a leather jacket bloody And well. the leather boots as well. You know, if I wore leather boots, I'd look a right twat. I would look, yeah, I was going <laughs> to it'd look ridiculous, wouldn't we? But he pulls it off. It's good. It would be ridiculous. No, I like that, man. I like that. And and I'm kind of, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest. I'm switching mine around a little bit here. I, I'm, I'm stuck between <laughs> a, a couple of sets of characters for my my third, I guess the uh, <laughs> my third most favorite, the mm-hmm. bottom of the pile. I feel terrible saying that. And I'm kind of, I was going to get a couple of these guys that we're going to throw out in the, the honorable mentions, Thane Carell and Sienna Reed, which are from a, a Lost Stars, a, an actual, uh, an extension novel, one of the, the more recent canon novels. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm going to swap it out because I'm, 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 I was teetering on the edge and I think I'm going to have to stick an Obi-Wan in for the, for the third <laughs> one. Hello there. Hello there. The reason that I think I'm going to have to do that is not to sound bloody obvious, but it's kind of for a similar reason to to what you chose with Han Solo. But from the prequels perspective, and in particular, actually, from the Clone Wars perspective, I'm an Obi-Wan guy. Don't get me wrong, Alec Guinness and and that whole portrayal was great, but it didn't go very deep, did it? You know, it didn't go very deep. And Mm -hmm. I thought when it was fleshed out in the Clone Wars and the prequel trilogy a little bit less so, like this guy is just a Jedi epitome of cool. You know, he kind of, he, he's got the love interest, he's pushing against the Jedi a, a little bit, he's kind of, 
is a bit sarcastic, is a little bit funny, is a little bit sassy with it. It doesn't really care, you know, as long <laughs> as he gets the job done. But he kind of does it without 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 losing that. He's just got this massive air of confidence, hasn't he? You know, massive. that really yeah. unflappable thing. And I think that's why I, I, I find myself drawn to him. So, yeah, I'm, I'm an Obi-Wan guy for, for, for the... The uh, the third one in the pile. I don't want to say the worst one, but the, the third one, yeah. one in the pile. <laughs> no, I like it, man. It's cool. I was surprised to not see him on your list, to be honest. I know, but yeah. it was just these two guys that the Thane Carell and Sienna Rhea. I want to get to those when we get to the honourable mentions because I mean, those guys. It, it's just a really interesting story, and I feel like there's a lot of heritage and stuff that could be developed around that. But we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. Sure. I had to trim down my honourable mentions list. I could have gone on and on and on. It's ridiculous, but yeah. Number two for me is Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader. Controversial that you've put them together. I like this. <laughs> so Anakin for the reason of, I love his downfall to the dark side. And I don't, I don't mean that in a harsh way. Like he started off as a good kid and stuff and, got manipulated and went down a dark path. I don't mean that. I mean that the way that George Lucas actually wrote his, I'm talking about the prequels, you know, as his uh, journey down to the, is just so enjoyable to watch. I loved it. It was that whole, because you knew it was coming, right? You, you knew right from the end of The Phantom Menace pretty much that, you know, bad things are going to start happening to this kid as he gets as he gets older and then especially in... Uh, in, in Revenge of the Sith, it's it really just you know snowballs to the to the point where he's he's no longer Anakin at all, as we all know, and uh, it's just so enjoyable. The whole suspense, the build up, the way that George Lucas uh, wrote that storyline, because it, it becomes apparent that uh, before the prequels came out, the original trilogy, it made it seem like. It was the story of Luke Skywalker. But then when you put all six films together, it's actually the, the saga of Anakin. It's, it's Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader's story overall. So I love the whole arc that spans those six movies especially um, and his, uh, his descent into the dark path. It's, it's so enjoyable to watch. And then flicking over to Darth Vader in the original trilogy, especially in Rogue One and stuff, he's, he just, in terms of Sith, He's got that, because you can't see his face, it makes him all the more menacing and all the more frightening because you can't see, because behind the mask, you know, there's there's not, you only see a tiny glimpse of that at the end of Return of the Jedi. You know, you only see that little bit of emotion there. So the rest of it, he may as well be just a, a robot or a cyborg or whatever. So, yeah, I just find the whole character, and the whole character's got so much depth as well. I mean, there's so, there's so much in the the extended... Um, universe fan films are really good there's a, a guy that runs a YouTube channel called Star Wars Theory that brought out an amazing Vader fan film last month I think it was um, where he explores the, the the bits where he's just unhappy with Palpatine he suspects that he's been manipulated and doesn't like his his masters and so on so um, yeah I just think there's hundreds of more stories that can be told about Darth Vader and and all that and he just looks awesome as well such a good look just iconic you know just the iconic empire look from star wars love it yeah man i'm with you on that one and i'm gonna kind of give away i think my uh my top spot because there's no point treading old ground on that anakin got my top spot i've got to admit 
And uh, looking at the list that we put on Trello, I think I think we uh, interchanged our one and twos, which <laughs> is interesting. And I just want to, I'm kind of backing that up and, and throwing into the mix, like the whole mental thing, the whole mental health scenario mm-hmm. with Anakin. Um, I, I find that, you're right, like the descent is, I think, really, really interesting in the way that, the way that the manipulation is done by Palpatine and the way that even the manipulation from the Jedi side of things, you know, you've got your Obi-Wan, you've got your Qui-Gon in the early days. And even the Yoda and the Mace Windu is kind of manipulating this guy to balance one one way and to tip one way into the light. And then you've got Palpatine, you know, really stealthily manipulating him into the dark side over the course of what is effectively, you know, what, 13, 14 years? Mm-hmm. And then thereafter, after he becomes Darth Vader, you know me. I'm a big kind of. I'm a. I'm a big kind of uh, mythology guy, and I love. I love the books, like things like Lords of the Sith, where you see him, and and in the Star Wars theory guy I dug into this a little bit, where you see Palpatine really testing and manipulating him, and some of the comics that are out at the minute where he gets Padme's old ship and it's beat up and he gives it to Vader as a gift, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. you know he offers him Naboo as his home planet and says you can have any planet. What do you want, Vader? And it's you can have Naboo if you want it. Um, and just that continual testing by Palpatine of Vader's mental state and his loyalty. And then when they thrust Ahsoka into the mix in the Clone Wars and then back again for Rebels later, I just thought that was a really interesting way to push his mental health. And then, it, you know, that you've got this guy that's consistently been told that he's the chosen one for the, the 13, 14, 15 years that it takes for him to develop from episode one through to uh, Revenge of the Sith. You've got, he's getting constantly hammered. You're the chosen one. You're the chosen one. And then he's got these internal conflicts and he's got people manipulating him left, right, and center. And all he wants to do is have this relationship with his girl that he loves and that he adores. And he wants a sim- pretty simple life. And I, I really find that that journey interesting from that mental health perspective and from that Palpatine always, always, always testing him mm. and never letting up with that. So, yeah, man, I, I, I put Anakin. At number one on mine, but yeah, he got the, he got the number two on on your on your list, my man. So who's number one? And remember, I think these are interchangeable. I think my number two is your number one. So who we got, bro? Number one has got to be Palpatine. Oh yeah, the man himself, old Darth Sidious. Darth uh, bugger lugs. Yeah. He was a right. He was a warman, wasn't he? <laughs> so uh, Senator Palpatine, aka Darth Sidious. Uh, for me, I just love the whole, sometimes it's just cool to love uh, an evil dark character from a franchise, you know, the, the, the way that, and I think there are two reasons why I love his character. The first one is he's written no holds barred, that there's absolutely no point in any of the films or any of the stories where there's even a slight little twinge of him being kind, uh, a pull to the light. Anything like that, there's there's just nothing. He's he's complete evil Sith, hundred percent through and through. Um, so he's he's always written that way. That is consistent. It's really good. And the second thing is the performance from Ian McDermott in every film. It's it's cre- it's creepy to the point of in, in two respects. So when he's playing Palpatine throughout the prequels, he's got this uh, like a approachableness and this smile to him. That everybody knows he's evil. Everybody knows he's he's the dude, 
but all the characters, you know, are unaware and it, it, it's, it's, I don't think there's ever been a character where that the people watching either at the cinema or, in, or on the TV just want to shout at the screen. You know, it's like, it's almost like Punch and Judy. It's like he's behind, you know, it's got that kind of theatre-esque kind of bad guy about it. I don't know, it's just, you know, you, you've got to give George Lucas props for writing one of the most evil, manipulative bad dudes in, in cinema history, really. And, um, yeah, just the whole, and the performance as well. Like as Palpatine and McDermott is just so good at this on the surface being nice and um, tactile with everybody and trying to be politically correct, uh, you know, wants to get all the politics in line, for, but really it's for his own end. And then when he turns into Sidious, you know, execute order 66, that whole voice and everything, it's just, I don't know. It's like goosebumps, man, every time for me. So he was your number two, right? It was my number two, and it was only because, really, because of what he did with Anakin and took Anakin, and 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 in particular, because I think he he elevated Anakin's story because of how he handled Anakin, right? And right. Um, I I think you're right in what you're saying. Personally, I love I love the arc that Lucas gave him, and it is a genius character to have written. It really is a great character to have written, and and what gets me with Palpatine is the patience, the sheer patience that mm-hmm. the guy has got to to not only go through the whole planning and plotting with Darth Plagueis and and that that whole story there that's yet to be properly told, but also the fact that throughout every single film, all he's doing is moving places, uh, sorry, moving pieces into place, and he's moving people into place, and he's moving strategies through years and years and years of just these little bits of implementation that no one can connect together and then maintaining not only a facade but also he's he's, he's quite literally having meetings with the greatest jedis of all time theoretically <laughs> insofar as yoda and and windu and whoever else you you know you put in that in that mix and he's just shielding himself and no one knows <laughs> and you think in terms of actual raw power that's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. That is pretty yeah. impressive. And he can throw down when he needs to. Yeah. That, that's the other thing that's cool about his character is that they could have made the mistake of, well, not, necessar- not necessarily a mistake, but they could have gone down the road of making him the action guy. You know, because he's so powerful and he's got the whole, he, he can use a, a lightsaber. He's also got the lightning out of his fingers, all that jazz. But they don't. They always hold it back. It's always someone else that's doing... It's either Dooku, or you know, it's the, uh, the 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 army, or it's the uh, or it's Anakin, or it's Darth Vader. There's always someone else that's acting on his behalf, who are sort of throwing down. He's always just in the background, and it's not until his his throwdown with Yoda or his um, well, he doesn't really have a fight with Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi, but you know that whole uh, throne room scene at the end where. Darth Vader picks him up and lobs him over the balcony. It's, you know, it's only those moments where he allows himself to actually go into combat mode. The other times, like you said, he's just always sitting there patiently letting other people do his his kind of dark work, really. Very, very clever writing. Really cool. Yeah, it really is. And I'd love to see more content on that as well. And that, again, you, you know, again, you know me, I'm, I'm like a big book guy. When you dig into some of the newer books that explore that relationship... 
it's really interesting, man. It's really interesting that he, he's just pushing and pulling people around all of the time, and it's just one word and a, a look and a sly kind of withdrawal here, or it's the omission of something that someone else expects to be there. Just all these little pieces just add up to make such a really fascinating character. So, yeah, I'm with you on that, dude. I think he's, he's one of the best. So who we got for the honourable mentions then? Let's quickly zip through those. So who who are your honourables, man? Uh, so honourables for me, I've got Luke. Uh, I've got Ray. Uh, I've got Wedge Antilles from the original trilogy. I think he's a, a character that's untapped. I think we explored a little bit of him in some of the deleted scenes from A New Hope. You see a bit more of him. And also there's um, uh, there's a Star Wars audio drama where he's in it quite a bit more, where they explore like the, A New Hope a bit more. Um, uh, Galen Erso from Rogue One. I think he's a character that has a bit more backstory we could look at. Really love him. Uh, Yoda, for obvious reasons. Everyone loves Yoda. Um, Thrawn, I think, is a great character. And uh, a character called Annaline Cowell, who was in the... Uh, Kenobi novel. She's the woman that runs one of the uh, sort of restaurant shopping mall things on Tatooine. And she's the one that's like the love interest with Kenobi, but she also gets thrown into the whole storyline of the gangsters on Tatooine and everything. So she's a she's a great character. Sort of fell in love with her a little bit. But yeah, I could go on, man. I could go on and on and on. But what have you got? Oh, it's so difficult to, uh, to, to limit the list, isn't it? And <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with, absolutely with you on Thrawn. Uh, well, yeah. well up for that one. What, a, what an absolutely fascinating character, uh, and again, really well written. I've gone for, uh, I've gone for a couple of odd ones, so I'm going to kind of throw through those. I've got, first of all, Mister Bones and Snap, aka Temin Wexley from the Aftermath novels, um, where we do dig a little bit into Wedge's background or future, whichever way you want to look at it as well. Um, and in particular, it, it's the guy from. He's the guy from The Force Awakens and Last Jedi. He's one of the Resistance pilots in that. He grows up to be this Resistance pilot. And uh, he's got this old... It's a post-Return of the Jedi world. And he's he's refurbished this old B-1 battle droid from the Clone Wars and, 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 you know, the droid army. And he's just a really interesting character. How You see this kid turn up into this Resistance fighter and even though he just hates everything about it because his mum was in the resistance and his dad got killed because of the resistance, blah, blah, blah. Just a really interesting kind of focus. Um, and I am noticing that a lot of mine are in twos. Mm. So the other ones that I've got are Thane Carell and Sienna Reeve from The Lost Stars. Now, this is crazy because this is like a young adult novel, dude. It's like, I feel like so, it, it's it's basically like Star Wars, Mills and Boone. It's a little bit odd. <laughs> and these two characters were really, really interesting to me. So these are two guys that were brought up on, um, I think it's Jeruklin or Jeruklin. I can't, I can't remember the, the name of the planet. But one's an aristocratic guy, one's a farm girl, and they join the Imperial um, Navy and they, they become these Thai pilots. But then one joins the Rebellion and, and one doesn't. And you start to see how they kind of stay together throughout all of this, kind of balancing both sides of that coin, one Rebellion, one Imperial, and but the novel in particular, which makes these two characters interesting, it tracks pre A New Hope right through to around Return of the Jedi. So it tracks that whole saga, and and you see, you know, you see Vader kind of diving into the uh, into the base on Hoth. You see the attack on Hoth. You see Endor, but it's from the characters' perspectives. These two places. So I think that's really interesting. Um, mm. 
The other two are Hask and Iden Versio off Battlefront. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, their juxtaposing of their ideals was really, really interesting to me. Uh, and in particular, you know, the way that Iden had, had, had a, a part to play in everything that followed right through to The Force Awakens. And the last one is my man, Bail Organa. I think he's a dude, man. He's a dude. <laughs> he's like this. He's sort of... If Yoda is is the 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 the, the Force equivalent of Palpatine, I feel like a, a Bail Organa is like the mental patient equivalent, along with Mon Mothma, to Palpatine's kind of mind. You know, that kind of patient. We'll just do what we need to do. We'll do it in secret. Mm-hmm. We'll pull together everything we need. So I think he's kind of got that mental fortitude, which makes him really interesting. Um, and he's got this guard up as well. You can never quite tell which way he's going until until he goes that way. Um, Indeed. Yeah. So I find him interesting. So and 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 I was like, how do you leave out a Sokatano as well? But we <laughs> of can't have everyone, can yeah. we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good one with Bail Organa. Yeah, I'd forgotten about him, but he's got that similar. Uh, yeah, you're right. Actually, for the the Rebel Alliance or Rebellion, whatever, he's got that in the background kind of stance, hasn't he? Where he's not forefront, he's not out there flying X-wings or or getting to get his hands dirty. He's uh, he's one of the dudes at the back. Just sort of calmly, calmly uh, saying what needs to be said and, and and directing people and stuff. So yeah, I, I totally read you. That's a good one. Yeah, good shout, man. Good shout. All right, well, we're going to move on, guys. To to onto our segment, which is the review and the discussion, where we kind of dig into something from the Star Wars lore that we've read or we've watched or we've we, we've kind of we've played, and we kind of do a bit of a review of it. Now, this could be an old thing, it could be a new thing. But before we get to that, quick reminder: Patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion you can get you can get in your mailbox an exclusive spark rebellion sticker and also depending on the tier that you choose when it comes to your patronage you can even get producer or exec producer status on the show so go and check out patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion and we'll this is kind of fun in it guys because we will if anyone asks is this person is regina an executive producer on spark rebellion we will have your back hell you yeah are an exec producer. Check it out, patreon.com <laughs> forward slash spark of rebellion. Now, review and discussion, dude. I would, uh, it was me that added this one because we we did, uh, we were kind of throwing some bits around and I, I've just finished over the last couple of days reading that new Del Rey Star Wars book, the one that takes place after The Phantom Menace, which is Queen's Shadow. It's the new book focusing on Padme becoming a senator instead of a queen. So that transitioning phase, the first few days, weeks, months, years in the Senate and how that kind of feels. So uh, it's been interesting. Have, have you have you seen this? Have you kind of read the summary of it? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I've read into it a wee bit. I kind of know um, the outline of the story, but I've not read it as yet. It's curious because I'm kind of digging through these books a little bit. I get, I get a little bit bored, so I read a lot of stuff and I thought to myself, you know, I'll do a bit of a Star Wars binge this year and the results have been a little bit mixed like some of them are really really good Mm -hmm. and then some of them are terrible like one of the Luke Skywalker ones I literally had to I had to put down it was it was terrible it was it was unreadable um but this one in particular is quite interesting because it what I found curious about it was it didn't put Anakin and Padme at the front of it so you didn't have like they didn't set it in a time period where Anakin was this big affecting factor and I feel like it's the first time that Padme has got a bit of a say, where she's allowed to breathe as a character. If you look at any other book that she's been in, look at any other piece of content that she's been in, 
generally, even these, like I said, the new novels that they're putting out, it's always focused on her and Anakin. And in mm-hmm. particular, one of the other novels, which is set during the Clone Wars, it's sort of a, when's Anakin coming to save me? When's Anakin coming to save me? And I just think it's a bit Lois Lane, you know? <laughs> and I got a sense that that's not really the character. So this covers, like I said, her transition into being a senator. Her first meeting with Bail Organa, her first meeting with Mon Mothma, where they are sounding her out and saying, well, wait a sec, where's the allegiance lie? But in particular, I think one thing that would interest you based on what we said about our top three characters, it shows Palpatine being a little bit of a pain in the ass. <laughs> it shows him being a little bit manipulative, even before he'd ever been shown to be properly manipulative in anything other than The Phantom Menace. Okay, okay which is quite cool. Like he's not letting on certain committees because he knows that it will affect certain trade routes. And then you've got this subtle inference that Count Duco is manipulating a couple of people behind the scenes as well. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a very interesting time period. Cause I, and correct me if I'm wrong on this. I don't think there's that much else in that time period. Is it like four years after Phantom Menace? I can't think of much else in that. Uh, no, there's a few, there's a few comic books that dive into some stuff there, but overall, no, there's nothing that, that really targets that time frame. Yeah, it's curious. Yeah. It's it's an interesting time frame, and and it's something that interests. Kind of, I, I think the people who are um, really advocating for the rays of the world and digging into the Princess Leia impact, and the people that are really pulling for the, the the women in the Star Wars universe, which I think, obviously, rightly so, Lucasfilm, Disney, and so on are putting a much bigger focus on now because it's it's such an untapped story for everyone to focus on the on, on, on the strong women in the Star Wars universe. And I think doing a novel that is purely around Padme, but one thing that I found really, really interesting. So, you know, in Phantom Menace, when you've got, you've kind of got the handmaidens, haven't you? You've got Kira, Kira Knightley playing the, the, the one of the decoys. Mm-hmm. One of the really cool things about this, this novel, it, it really kind of dug into the what and the why of what these handmaidens do, like the combat training that they've got, the security training that they've got, how they all practice and perfect along with Padme, this this queen Amidala persona and voice so that anyone at any time can step in and be the queen mm-hmm. when they need to be a decoy. Um, and it like that was really insightful for me. It started to spur a lot of ideas around, wow, this could be actually quite an interesting thing. Like each one of these handmaidens have got a really interesting background. They're obviously very capable, very tough people. They've got a lot of common sense. They've got a lot of intelligence. Um, and I think what what got me attracted to that after I dug into it a little bit was, you know how Rogue One, you mentioned Gale, Gale and Urso in that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's covered a little bit in a couple of novels as well, but not really in any any super mega depth apart from the Catalyst book. And just how good are those stories when you think, you know what, here is an intelligent person fighting for something really really kind of prominent in this Star Wars universe that isn't a Skywalker. Like, that is just super interesting to, to me. I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm sure it's something that you've dug into with, with, with the expanded universe as well. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, because there are times when when you think about Star Wars and some of the non-main cast members. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, Padme... She, um, don't get me wrong, she is, she is a main character in the film, but when you think about the story arc as a whole, you always think of Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, Yoda, those sorts of people. So, And you all know what they're fighting for. You know, you've got the Empire who wants to rule the galaxy with an iron fist. You've got the Rebellion who don't agree with that and fighting for freedom and all the rest of it. 
it's those little pockets that are the most interesting um, stories to be told. And I feel this is a, a great example of that because uh, you mentioned the time frame. So just after the Phantom Menace. Um, and nobody really cares. It's, it's not a case of <laughs> nobody knows what's going on. Nobody really cares. No, nobody cares what's they want. The Phantom, the Phantom Menace is gone. Let's get the Clone Wars out, the attack of the clones out of the way. And let's just get into the best one of the prequel trilogy. You know, nobody really, uh, un- unless you, unless you can die, unless you're a massive fan of the Clone Wars, the cartoon series, and so on, um, which again doesn't really touch on the Phantom Menace at all. Um, it- it's those little pockets, and we we know that uh, above all, um, Padme is really up for democracy. You know, she really wants to nail the whole. You know, we're not. I don't want to let this slide down the road of dictatorship and all of that jazz. You know, democracy has got to win. You know, for for our future, you know, and political uh, rightness and all that stuff. So she's really passionate about that. And like I said, I haven't read it, but I'm I'm hoping you'll be able, you'll be able to tell me. But I'm hoping that that passion to to fix the political sort of landscape that's going on at the time, uh, she's really passionate about that and. Uh, the other thing that I like as well is, you know, Anakin's not there to constantly save her from the falling building. Yeah. Yeah, you're totally right, dude. That that whole democracy is is, is right at the centre of it. And I, I do, as you mentioned there, I love the fact that there's no one there to bail her out apart from her team that mm-hmm. she has put together. You know, the Handmaidens, um, it's, uh, I forget his name, Tyrol maybe, the um, one of the guards that took over from Panaka in... in, in Phantom Menace, it's, it's her team. She's constructed this thing. You know, she's the Lois Lane without the Superman who's doing her own thing and is the is is the success outside of the main male character. And one kind of interesting thing that, that, that oh, didn't, I wouldn't say it put me off the book, but it, had, it suffered the same, I guess the same problems that a lot of the prequels were chastised for suffering, which is that overly political side of it. Mm-hmm. Now, the books and the prequels needed that political element. Of course it did. It's, it's a genius story when you look at it, but it is a little bit boring sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> and I think the book suffers from that. Like I always score the books out of five, and I gave this one a three and a half because there are, there are vast swaths of the book where you're just not interested in what is going on. Where okay. you know you don't really care about the planet that they're fighting for, and and you're not, you, you've just not been given enough to care about. So all the political machinations and all the kind of strategic chess pieces that make Palpatine so interesting aren't quite as interesting when you've got someone like Padme trying to pull the strings and doing it for the good of democracy. It's like, it's almost like, you know, you, you, as you said, she stands for that stuff already. You don't need to hammer it home, and. It's not like it's not as interesting as Palpatine being a bit of a pain in the ass behind <laughs> the scenes, you know. It's 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 not it's just not as nefarious. So it's not as you're just not as engaging. That might be me just being a bit of a sycophant, but you know, it's always interesting when you see someone manipulating something in a story for much greater ends than just quote unquote good. You know, it's, it's just it. not got yeah. that punch. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting that. Um, they're, they're taking this approach to sort of fleshing out canon characters and the the canon timeline. Did you read uh, the other Star Wars book by the same author, um, Ahsoka? 
I did, yes, yeah. which I thought was also great. Mm. So it's uh, it, what, what I find interesting is that they could, or Lucasfilm or Disney, whoever is behind it, is this um, published by Del Rey? Is it part of their? I think it is. Yeah, Ranger? pretty sure it is. So they could uh, pander to the typical fan fan person, if you like, and focus all of their stories around the big famous characters. Um, but what I find interesting is, like I said, nobody really cares about the timeline between the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Nobody's, I, I've never once spoken to Star Wars fans and someone said, what do you think happened between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones? And nobody, it's just not something that pops up. So it's interesting that they've invested the time to get a book out there that fleshes the characters out a little bit, gives you a bit more. One thing I do agree with you on, and it does sort of, buckle under its own weight a little bit is the whole political thing it's, it's like a uh it's like it's needed in a way isn't it because you can't just have a story about some jedis legging around and then padme who's doing what you know you can't just have a running after anakin like a you know a lost puppy so you gotta have something for her to do so it's you know she's placed in the political system but yeah, I, I read you, man. It does feel a little like the prequels feel a little bit. Well, the first two, anyway. Uh, you know, with the whole Brexit thing going on as well at the minute, it's, just, it's like, yeah, 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 politics. We get it, we get it. And also, I wonder how that affects younger fans as well, because I know for a fact that my boys, um, uh, you know, my my youngest is is eleven. And I know for a fact that he just switches off, you know, whenever anything to do with Star Wars and the political side of things comes on, you know, the Trade Federation, all, all that stuff. And, you know, the opening bit of The Phantom Menace where Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are sent down to negotiate with the, you know, all that stuff. He just, he, he doesn't, doesn't care. You know, he's got no, uh, he has no interest. He doesn't want to know. He just wants to get to the cool bit with the lightsabers and all that stuff. So you mentioned this as a young adult book. I just wonder how far they, if they've gone too far with the political stuff, if it's a young adult book. What do you reckon? I, I, yeah. I, I, well, if I was turning off and, and your boy at 11 would turn off, you know, that's a, mm. it's a pretty safe bet to assume that a lot of people are. And I think, you know, even though it's a young adult, Young adult book. In fact, I don't know if this one is billed as a young adult book. I think the other one was Lost Stars. Now now you said that, I'm not actually sure if it is. I think so. Which kind of yeah. makes it worse. <laughs> I think it is billed as a, a Is young, it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, in that case, yeah, I do think the political stuff is too heavy. I think it's there's just a lot of a lot of that that goes on. But overall, it's a decent book. It's a decent book. I was gonna um, say, does the um does the benefit of having the backstory of Padme fleshed out outweigh the, the slightly boring stuff at the politics? I think it depends what kind of person you are. For me, right. I'm a, and again, we, we we talked about this before on Two Shots to the Head, it was, I'm a big connectivity guy. And, mm -hmm. and in particular, what I like about this is that you've got essentially Padme, who's a senator, who is in the Galactic Senate, and then you've got her forming a relationship with Bail Organa. Both of these people are effectively the mum and dad of Princess Leia you know, in, in, in various guises, you know, you've got the adopted father and then you've got the natural mother and nature versus nurture. And, you, you know, you fast forward post Return of the Jedi, you look at some of the Aftermath books and some of the stuff um, on the ropes of the Force Awakens and Last Jedi. And that's, that, that's the path that Leia takes is that she can't help but be compelled 
to serve in the new Republic and the new Galactic Senate. And you think, all right, okay, I'm, I'm starting to see that what they're trying to do here is do what they did for Luke in the films and some of the movies where it's like, you know, you've inherited your father's potential for the dark side. And then with Kylo Ren, where it's, you've inherited your grandfather's potential for the dark side, they're trying to do a similar thing now with Princess Leia and said, you know what? This is in your blood and it's in your upbringing. And, and, and I, that I find interesting, but just the amount of time spent on the actual politics of the politics is, like you said, it's just a bit weighty. I see. A little bit weighty. A bit like the prequels then. Yeah. A little bit weighty with that stuff. Uh, Recommended though, thumbs up or thumbs down? It's one of those where you don't need to rush and get it, but if you want to, if you want to, you know, satisfy some Star Wars need and you've read everything else or you've dug into everything else, definitely pick it up or, you know, grab it as a Christmas gift. Um, But it's not an urgent one, I wouldn't say. But having said that, for the, the random spotlight segment, now you guys might be wondering, it's the first episode, what is a random spotlight segment? We actually pick someone every single episode and dig into a, something really random. We pick an object, we pick a thing, a person, a, an alien. We, we dig into something, don't we, guys, that's a little bit anything you random. Like. Yep. Yeah, anything you like. Now, again, to hammer on Patreon, you can get the chance to pick this and you can come on the show and you can talk about this via our Patreon. Go and check it out, patreon.com, search Spike Rebellion. But this week's random spotlight is actually Sabe, one of the Queen's handmaidens, who I believe is actually the handmaiden that was played by Kira Knightley, who was the main decoy in The Phantom Menace. I think it was, wasn't it? Kira Knightley. Yeah, Pretty it was. sure it was, yeah. Uh, the only reason I get confused is that there's one called Sabe and one called Sasha, and I'm like, one, which is which? Yeah. Isn't there about 11 of them all together? Yeah. But there's quite a few, isn't there? But um, how are you pronounce? Is it Sabe? Sabay? Sabay? No idea. I think Mate, it's Sabay. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> Everything is just as you see it, you know? It's like S A B E, it must be Sab or Sabe. It must you, be Sab. I think it's it. I think it's Sabay. I'm I'm gonna we'll go put some that. money down on the table. I think it's Sabay, yeah. It's definitely got the accent. Definitely. Yeah. Uh so yeah, um as Mark said, we're gonna focus on a just a random person, place, alien thing, whatever. That's uh, so a Sabay. Uh is one of the handmaidens that um, uh, is from Naboo. And uh, she, um, yeah, yeah, a handmaiden in the royal house of Naboo. And she is appointed as one of um, uh, Queen uh, Amidala's uh, uh, assistants, essentially. Um, she's, um, she's, she's meant to be at her side at all times. She's there to protect and to make sure that she travels safely around and doesn't get sort of her ass kicked by any of the trade federation peeps and, and all that jazz. And, uh, if I remember correctly back to the prequels, is it Sabay that gets killed? No, or is I it think not? It's, it's one of them that gets taught. And that might be Sachet actually. Uh, oh, it might it? be. Yeah. And she gets kind of scarred. She doesn't, I don't know if she gets killed, but she gets captured and tortured at least. Oh yeah. Yes. Which is interesting. The interesting thing about Sabé for me is that, um, again, in this Queen Shadow novel, you remember in the prequels in, in The Phantom Menace, mm. you had you had Padme agreeing to try and do something about slavery on Tatooine. And it's Sabé that goes back to Tatooine to fulfil or try and start to fulfil those wishes. That's right. 
Yes. Which yeah. was really interesting to me because that was that was another thing that I found curious about this novel was that it dug into we'd never seen this before. It dug into the fact that Padme did try and stick to her promise on that and do something and she just got overwhelmed in the Senate and couldn't actually do anything politically with it. So started to do things a little bit under her own steam. Um, so I found that quite interesting, which is why I picked it for the spotlight. Um, so yeah, the spotlight this week is one of Padme Amidala's handmaidens, which is Sabe, as played by Kira Knightley. Indeed, I think she's a cool... Uh, it's actually not a bad likeness either. Um, you know, when she's got all the makeup on and mm -hmm. she looks like Queen Amidala and stuff, it's... Uh, you can see why they cast Kira Knightley. It, it, there's quite a, a decent resemblance once she's got all the headgear on and the makeup and all that stuff. She, uh, yeah, she, I, I think, I can't remember how, I can't remember the last time that we see, is it the last time that we see her on screen? Is it when she's gone off to, I, I think, is it, doesn't, doesn't Padme and Panaka go off to secure the throne room? And it's down to Sabe and somebody else. I can't remember to lead all the battle droids off and go and do something else. And she successfully sort of takes them on a, a goose chase. And Padme can go off and do her thing as... Because Padme's dressed as a handmaiden, isn't she? And it's the handmaidens themselves that disguise them. It's, uh, yeah, I can't remember her last time on the screen. I think that's it. I could be wrong. I don't think you're far off there, my man. I can't remember it myself. But now you said that, it's triggered something in the back of the brain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so does she pop up in the book you've just read? Yeah, she's a very prominent character, actually. Um, yeah. And it's interesting that um, that each one of the handmaidens sh can and should be able to take over as Padme at any given time in the Queen and the Senatorial role. And the interesting thing about the makeup and the, in particular, Naboo dress is that it's all designed to throw distraction off. So they all they all rehearse Padme's voice. And Padme herself has got an Amidala voice, which is for when she's supposed to be on regal or senatorial duties, that is very different to a natural voice so that they can all mimic the same voice. And uh -huh. the idea is that it throws off any inconsistencies with the facial features are overcome by, it sounds like her, she's dressed like her, and the makeup, it could, yeah, that's her, of course it is. You know, that's the idea of the handmaidens, which I thought was a, to dig into that was really, really interesting. Yeah, very cool. And, um, we mentioned that there's a ton of handmaidens that all uh, sort of help the queen to do her duties and all the rest of it. Um, it's it's interesting. I'd be interested to find out. I'm sure it, it might be in the book that in um, in Queen Shadow, but or it might be in another story somewhere. But I'd be interested to see how Sabay actually got into being a bodyguard or a decoy for the queen, because it's obviously not something that you just do. <laughs> um, so I'd be interested to find out uh, how, because uh, I know she's from Naboo and that she, her and her family, Sabay's family sort of, you know, they're all, they're, they're alle allegiance to the queen is, you know, is there from very early on and all that stuff. But um, I just wonder how she got into doing that stuff. Yeah, it's not on the careers list, is it, at school? What do you want to be? I think I, I think I might be a queen's decoy, actually, Mr. Exactly. Smith. Um, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, but have you have you thought about English literature instead? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not it's not a career choice, is it? Yeah, that that could be quite an interesting thing. And just to kind of finish up on that, because I know we're uh, we're kind of talking a little bit about Sabe quite heavily, and and she's not a, a super prominent character, uh, but I, it's interesting to me how deep you can go with these layers. You know, you're once removed from Padme going there. 
and then suddenly you open up even more characters and you can go deep into a story about Sabaya and then you can open up, I don't know, Panaka or whoever. You could go deep into any one of these characters and, and like we said right at the beginning of this session, there's a lot of stories to tell, which mm. excites me. So, yeah, go and check it out, guys. If you're not, if you're not heard anything about Sabay since The Phantom Menace, go and check out Queen Shadow by Del Rey. Go and grab it on Amazon or whatever and, and just take a look at it. You might find it fun. Indeedy. Yes. Right, that finishes up uh, episode one. I think we're going to wrap there, buddy. Yes, we are. That's been fun, dude. We're back in the saddle. Things can only get better. That's what uh, that's what I'm told. Remember that from '98 when Labour were in Tony Blair. Oh, the song for that, yeah. <laughs> Classic, getting political. I love it. But this has been fun, man. This has been fun. That's been very good. Let's do it. Thank you so much for joining us for episode one. The first one. The first of many. It's been exciting this. Yeah, thank you for tuning in. Finding a new podcast is kind of uh, it's kind of scary because you're going to chuck an hour into this. Almost an hour of your time with us. So thanks so much. It means a lot. I hope to see you on the next session. Uh, do you want to remind people of the Patreon as well, guys? I think people are going to be sick of me saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah, head over to patreon.com. Uh, forward slash spark of rebellion uh, you can find all of the different tiers there uh, so uh, sign up and uh, you can be able you get some stickers sent out to you uh, you'll be able to get executive producer bragging rights on the show you can get to come on talk about the random spotlight all of that stuff uh, we really want to build a, a decent community and uh, uh, a big group of Star Wars friends around the podcast so uh, yeah jump on and do that you can also find us on the usual social stuff Head over to Instagram. Uh, just search for Spark of Rebellion Show over on Instagram. And uh, we're on Twitter and Facebook under the same name. Uh, just do a search for Spark of Rebellion. Joining in the chit chat on there. We're going to be chatting about Star Wars and all that jazz uh, in between episodes. Uh, so head over and give us a follow. And uh, whatever podcast network you happen to listen to us on, uh, make sure you spend time to give us a review and a rating because that's going to help us loads and loads I really appreciate that thank you so much uh, coming up next week uh, we're going to be talking about our top three pieces of Star Wars music which I'm really looking forward to because I listen to Star Wars music pretty much every day while I'm working and so on and uh, yes and we'll also update you near the time on our random spotlight it's been awesome fun, man. Stuff. It's been fun. Yeah. Thank you, dude. Always a pleasure. Thank you guys for listening. And until next time, adios. And may the force be with you always.